So what we're talking about is abiding in Christ today, and we're going to look at a passage in Psalm 119. Uh, the most famous passage uh, in Psalm, Psalm 1, talks about blessings. And it says this, if I can get there quickly. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor seat, sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And so oftentimes we have a really... Um, particular idea, mostly from the world, about what it, uh, what it means to be blessed. Uh, and so uh, fortunate is the, probably the best translation of what it means to be, uh, to be blessed. It means to be in a fortunate position. And so when we're thinking about this, so often our um, culture, right, elevates happiness as the be-all, end-all. So before we, uh, before we leave today, I want you to have a better idea of what it means that we want to be uh, in a fortunate position, right? We want to be in a blessed position rather to be happy. God's, uh, God's design uh, is not, that is not his end goal. It's for you to be happy. It is for you to be blessed, for you to be in an, a fortunate position. And the Bible is going to paint that, right, as uh, in relationship with him. That is the most fortunate, right, position that you can possibly be in. And so um, when you think uh, about this idea, it's helpful to distinguish uh, between these things, right? To be happy is, is to like what's happening, right? Like I like the food in front of me. I like the environment I'm in. I like the people I'm with. I like that I'm comfy. I've got the requisite amount of pillows and blankets, right? And so... Um, but the other, right, is to be in a good situation or position. And so why do you think that most people, right, would rather be happy than be in a good situation? So this is not up here. I want you to talk about this around your tables real quick. Why do you think most people would rather, right, be happy than be in a good situation or position? Okay, take just a minute to, to uh, chat about that around your tables and I'll call you back. So as, as we have whatever mindset we have as it relates to being uh, happy versus in a good position, right, the, the, um, what's so good about being in a good position, right, is that I don't have to do anything besides stay there, <laughs> right? Often when we, are, uh, when we are pursuing happiness above all else, right, that I'm trying to change my situation, I'm trying to uh, do things, right, to maybe changes uh, what is fortunate for me. And so as we think about what God says about this, this is helpful to press in to what my mindset is, right, about this, uh, about this idea. So as we're thinking about abiding in Christ, um, Herbert uh, Lockyer says, making our heart, uh, that the, the idea here for this particular passage is making our hearts a home for the word of God. And so for us as a generation, or maybe you as a generation, I'm a different generation, <laughs> it is, um, it's hard to think about the idea of, uh, of home, right, because we want to go, go, go. We're, we're constantly uh, wanting to um, see what is new, right, to try things, to see what the experiences bring me happiness, right, and God is pushing against that. He wants you to say that I am your home. I define the things that uh, you see as important, and so these things are constantly right at odds. The word, uh, the Greek word for uh, abide is this word called meno, and it means this. It means to remain, to reside, or to stay. And so the idea that I want you to wrap your head around here is active, 
participation, right? Staying is typically, it seems like I'm a boring word, but I want you to think about it as active participation, right? In something I'm choosing, right? I'm choosing to stay. I'm not staying because I have nothing better to do. So particularly for, as it relates to our relationship with God and connecting with him, right? That this is always the way that we need to think about it, that I've got to give effort, right? To actively participating in my relationship uh, with Jesus every day, right? That uh, Tuesday was good. I wake up on Wednesday and I'm going to choose to actively participate in this relationship today. So I will not stop listening and learning and I will not leave the sound of God's voice, right? I won't stop and I won't leave, right? A good situation, right? My connection, right? Relationship with the Lord. That is what God calls, uh, it to be blessed. If we're familiar with uh, the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, right, he says eight statements. Blessed are you, right, and continues, right, fortunate are you, right, in good position are you if this is, if this characterizes your life. And so as we think about abiding in Christ, this is what we need to judge. Am I, right, learning to be content in staying and doing the things that God has called me to do? Or, Am I working actively against that, chasing the things that he tells me over and over again are not going to give us satisfaction, right? So this is the main idea about abiding, right? Throughout the, throughout the scripture, it's going to look like this. Um, uh, many of you uh, have heard of the author A.W. Tozer. Um, probably the, the most current person that kind of has a harder attitude of Tozer is David Platt. He's a very earnest guy. Uh, Tozer is a very earnest guy, and he wrote a lot about uh, his relationship uh, with the Lord. And he says this, and I thought this was really helpful for my understanding. He said, It is a solemn thing and no small scandal in the kingdom to see God's children starving while actually seated at the Father's table. For it is not mere words that nourish the soul, but God himself. And unless the hearers find God in personal experience, they are not the better for having heard the truth. The Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God, that they may enter into him, that they may delight in his presence, may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself and the core and center of their hearts. Now, we know this very well, that there's tons of people that we sit across a table from, a dinner from, uh, whatever you may do, Right, and we can walk away, and we're like, you know what? Did the, the the their presence have an impact on me just now? Was I there but not there? As we spend time in God's Word, are we there but not there? <laughs> As we spend time in prayer, are we just kind of talking at Him, or are we in conversation with Him? And so I, I love this subtle point, right? That He He makes that we we can be so close, we cannot be at a different table, but actually at God's table. We can be open our Bibles, we can be in prayer, we can be listening uh, to teaching from his word and yet not be present. And so the, the first thing I want to um, kind of help us not miss, right, is, is that everything about relationship with God is about him, right, not his stuff, okay? His stuff can help us be in relationship with him, but it's never a substitute for a relationship with him. And I would say that this is a, a big miss in my relationship for a long time with the Lord, as I'm assuming that almost all of you have struggled with this to some extent, right? And so we want to talk about that when we talk about abiding.
because Tozer has so many things, I didn't, it's on every slide, but just a couple more things that are helpful. He goes on, um, it is a tragic fact that many Christians have left our seeking of him to our teachers. Hey, they'll tell me what to do. We have come to believe the faulty logic which says that if we have found him at salvation, if we've been introduced to him, right, if we have come to be in relationship with him, we need no more seek him. So it would be the same thing as if I found a guy or a gal, right, that I fancied, <laughs> that I found out if they liked me, right, and I liked them, and we were introduced and we went out on a date and said, hey, do you want to be my boyfriend? Do you want to be my girlfriend? And they were like, well, man, that was great. I'll see you later. And that we would seemingly not do that, right, in real life. Uh, but that's a pretty accurate representation of what I see a lot of people uh, doing in their Christian walks. I met him one time. We were introduced at a party. I hung out with him this one weekend. Man, I love that guy. I don't know what he's doing right now, but he's pretty cool. <laughs> and so that's not, and so when we're talking about abiding, right, we're not talking about that. Right? We're talking about uh, continuing that relationship, getting comfortable in that relationship, experiencing that relationship. And lastly, acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ in people. He waits to be wanted. And so one of the awesome things that we learn theologically about God from we see this in the garden when Adam and Eve sin, that God doesn't run away from Adam and Eve. He is there for them. In their sin, there is consequence for their sin, but he doesn't leave them. We see this uh, with Cain as he is about to sin. God warns him. He's not running away. Oh, Cain's evil. Let me get away from him because you know, he'll taint me. <laughs> he says, Cain, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. Like, I'm, I'm here. I'm telling you. I love you. I'm in relationship with you. I need you to know this, but the sin is going to separate you because you're going to feel bad and you're going to run away from me. Over and over, right, we forget, right, that, that, that God wants, right, intimate, intimate relationship with us. So here's the, the, the takeaways at the beginning, right? Three practices that, uh, to grow in and to live dependently according to Jesus' rule and reign because... We are foolish. Anybody in here foolish? I raised both of my hands. I am an idiot. Okay? And I crave independence. Okay? And because I crave independence, and because I'm an idiot, right, I need, God tells me to abide. Because on my own, that is where I move. That is where I drift. I drift into foolishness, and I drift into independence. He doesn't have to teach me to do that. My culture does that for me. They're real simple. We've got to take time to listen and learn from the Holy Spirit. We've got to take that, uh, that doctrine seriously. That if you are in Christ, that you have the Holy Spirit. And you have that Spirit in you seeking to teach you and to lead you into all truth. It is encouraging you to be obedient, yet you still have to be obedient. And so I see that missing in a lot of Christians' lives, that we will read the Word. Sometimes we'll pray occasionally, but very seldom do I see anyone listening and learning from the Holy Spirit. That I'm sitting and, hey, where do all these random good thoughts come from in my head? 
where are these things that encourage me to do the right thing? I wonder, it's just like random. I wonder. <laughs> that we need to intake God's truth. While I was shaving this morning, not well, but I was shaving this morning and I listened to 10 chapters of 1 Corinthians. I could have been in lots of other things, but I chose to use that time, right, to listen to God's word. And I need to pray. And you're like, yeah, okay. So here is the abiding emphasis on these things, right? The listening and learning is that I'm foolish and I'm independent, right? That I've got to put myself authoritatively right under God's leading. I've got to do that willfully. Hey, I'm going to listen, right? Just like if you come to service or you come to Sunday school, I've got to willfully like, do I have a notebook? Am I going to write some notes? Am I going to look at those notes ever again? <laughs> willfully, I've got to make those decisions. Right, but the truth is that if I believe that he's present with me, right, then that is the thing that I would do. If he's present, then I'm going to listen and learn from him. Number two, I need to intake God's truth specifically because I'm foolish. I forget things. I don't know what I don't know. Right, I don't remember. Uh, your favorite movie, how many times did it take you to watch it, right, before you, like, memorize the lines? Right, the ones that you can just, you know, they're like your words. You're like, uh, you know, like you've watched that over and over and over and over and over again, right? Quick exercise, if you have a piece of paper, I want you to draw a circle, okay? If you don't have one, just draw one with your finger, it's fun. Okay? And then I want you to think about, uh, so there's, there, you're going to kind of color in, in your mind or with an actual pencil or pen, the amount of things that you intake in a given day that are not God's word. And then you're also going to think about, well, what, what fraction is God's word? And I just want you to see a physical representation of how much not God's word you get every day. You understand what I'm saying? So if 25% I'm intaking of the things that I intake, if say 25% of that is God's word through listening to a sermon, having a spiritual uplifting conversation with a friend, reading a book, listening to scripture, reading scripture, praying, any of that stuff. And then any other time that I'm intaking not God's word, listening to music, streaming something, having a conversation that's not edifying, <laughs> slapping myself around emotionally in my head. All right, so as you look at that, hopefully there's going to be some of you who are like, oh, that is why the Lord is making a difference in my life, because the, the one pie piece is way bigger than the other one. But if your pie piece is real dark, <laughs> as mine is some days, and you're wondering like, uh, oh, right? Oh, oh. We will not be changed into Christ-likeness without abiding with the Lord. If I could come around to each table and to myself, I could uh, conscript Danny to say that to Rob. Right, Rob, you will not be changed into Christ-likeness without abiding with, with Jesus. And we think that we will. And we won't. Yes? Okay. Any of you guys have an attitude <laughs> about all sorts of things, right? 
It's so, we have so much of an attitude that we shorten it. And so I think it's good to remind her a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something. So much, right, of our lives comes down to attitude. Right, this is what I think about that. This is what I think about Brewer. This is what I think about Rob. Right, and we have an attitude about that, what we, how we feel about that. And our attitude, right, and our misunderstanding of um, what the fortunate position is, right, what it means to be blessed, right, colors this a great deal. Uh, last question, and then we'll uh, spend the rest of the time in Psalm 119. So last question, we'll see if this actually works. All right, what is the difference between declaring your love for somebody and living with them? Got some newly married folks in here, probably have some insight into this. What is the difference between declaring your love for someone and living with them? Which act is more loving and why? Did that question pop up? Uh, it's just, you can read it. <laughs> so, uh, so just kick it around for a second, and then, uh, and then uh, I'll ask for a couple answers. What is the difference between declaring your love for someone and living with them? Which act is more loving and why? All right. All right, sorry, that was a quick one. All right, what is the difference between declaring your love for someone and living with them? Which act is more loving and why? Our table that has not responded yet. about you guys? What do you think? <laughs> months and months of wisdom. We kind of talked about this, like Andy made a good point of like, you can say it as much as you want, and okay, maybe the first couple times, you know, it makes you feel good, but it doesn't mean anything until you make it mean Yeah. So I like, that, I like that line, until you make it mean something, it doesn't mean anything, right? And, and through the lives. That's excellent, excellent line. Kitty, you can be really proud. All right, back table. Back table. All right, what do you think? What's the difference? Anybody? One example I just gave was like yeah. that classic cartoon of the old couple. Yeah. Yep. He's still holding the umbrella. Yes. Absolutely. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Right, because he understands, right, regardless of my feelings, right, my relationship has not changed, right? My position has not changed. That's an excellent visual. If you didn't hear over there, he's talking about old cartoon, old, old couple, guy's grumpy, it's raining, but he puts the umbrella over his wife's head, right? So our emotions, right, can't dictate the relationships that we have, particularly as it relates to God because, right, of his, uh, the nature of his being, right? He is not uh, here with us right now. In bodily form. All right, so uh, as we look at Psalm uh, 119, I want you to, we're going to look kind of verse by verse, and I want you to think about um, the attitude of the psalmist, okay? And I want you to think about uh, the, the way, the, how he is uh, expressing or uh, participating uh, with um, within his relationship with God, about what that means to him. And so uh, I'll read this, and then we're going to go kind of uh, verse by verse here 
and I've got some um, uh, a, a Rob translation under each each issue just for, for help. We'll see if it's helpful. Um, so the psalmist declares, how can a young man, woman, person keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Amen. So 119, um, if you're looking in your Bible where it says the Aleph and the Beit, in Hebrew, each line of that uh, stanza is going to be in that Hebrew letter. It's going to start with that. And so that is the entire Greek alphabet, uh, Psalm 119. Uh, and each one, that is there for reference, but also for help in memorization. So it's just kind of a, a neat factoid. So in the first verse, in verse 9, we read, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping according to your word. So the question really uh, that he's asking in our, in our language uh, would be, How can a person live in a way that pleases you, God? So he's asking this rhetorical question, right? But he's asking it to us too. Is that the question we're even asking? I would say it starts there. Am I looking to please God? There are many people that we're looking to please. If we are employed, we are looking to please our, uh, our bosses, kind of. Uh, if we are in school, right, we are looking to please the teacher, right, by the work we turn in, kind of. Right, if we're in a relationship, hopefully we're trying to please that person so they don't, you know, kind of run away from me screaming. But, the, but we're not looking for here kind of, you know, bottom level, okay, connection, right, we're looking to please God, right, he, he as our creator, right, our redeemer, our king, so what does it look like to please him, and he says it this way, right, by living in the manner that you have told us to, that makes total sense, except that that is not our attitude, <laughs> right, that we do not have the attitude to do thus. If he is my king, I need to recognize him as such. And, and uh, as, as the Lord was convicting me in many different ways uh, about this the past couple of weeks, um, he said, Rob, you need to develop a rhythm that when you get up in the morning, just like the, uh, if you guys are really sweet, nice Southerners, when you see people, particularly at church, you like make eye contact with him and you say, morning. <laughs> Right, that, you, that is acknowledging them. That is something I selfishly didn't do for many years. That, hey, you're a person, Jameson, hello. Right, if you just say their name, you point at them, you acknowledge their presence, it's amazing how nice that is. They don't need to do anything like, they recognize that I'm in the room, I'm not invisible. That's amazing, right? Yeah, think about how our attitude is towards God on a daily basis. If we are not, right, actively doing something to kind of bring him into focus, Right? We just kind of think about him when we kind of go to the Bible. Or like, oh, I'm in trouble. Who can I call? So, so as we think about the question, how can a person live in a way that pleases you, God? This is the only answer. Right? By living in the manner 
that I've told you to live. And it's insinuating, right, that we, that we have been listening and want to know. In verse 10, he goes on. Right, when we see this, with all my heart I've sought you, this, this seems to be emotional. It's like, yeah, yeah, all my heart, Lord. But what, he's, but what the psalmist is saying is with my intellect, with my will, with my effort, with my emotions, okay, I have pursued you. Now, we're not talking about kind of landing the plane. We're talking about aiming at the plane, right? Aiming at flying, right? Aiming at the goal. So often we are, we are performance-driven. We're talking about, right, accomplishing the thing here, right? He is declaring that I have pursued you. I have aimed at you. And because of that, right, he's reaching out to say, Father, don't let me fall short, right, of that aim. That I am I'm humble enough to know that that is a hard thing to do because I'm not good at it, right? And so as he's declaring to him that he sought him, he's saying, hey, help me not fall short of being obedient to what I know of your law. Uh, John Calvin famously said, the, the, my, it actually might be Luther now that I've said it out loud. I don't remember. One of those old guys that we revere. He said, the, the parts of the Bible that I don't understand, those aren't my issue. It's the parts that I do understand that I'm not doing. As I want to encourage you, right, that the, that, that the knowledge is not your issue, it's the obedient, as is mine. Right? It's just being obedient to what I actually know. That's where we need to start, not to like, oh gosh, i got to know all of it, and then I'll start at step one. Help me not fall short. See that attitude that we want to please God and we're enlisting his help, right? This would be, I don't know, I think I would drop dead if my son came up to me, right? And he said, Dad, I know you've been wanting me to clean your room. Can you help me make sure that I don't forget to clean my room today? You'd be like, fall out, right? Because what is his attitude in that juncture? And that it's to please me. Like he's thinking about me. I didn't ask him. He came up to me and said, Dad, make sure that I don't forget to do that thing that you told me to do. Can you imagine? I'm bursting. I'm bursting. Verse 11. Your word I've treasured in my heart. What he's saying is I have decided that your wisdom and commandments are the most precious thing in my life. Because, right, he understands what it is to be blessed. That if I am in relationship with God, right, that I'm living in the way that he wants me to, there is no safer place on earth. There's no better position to be in because I'm doing what my creator, the biggest person, the most powerful, the most loving, He's on my side. That is fortunate. So often we marvel, right, at David and Goliath's story. But the, the cool thing about David is David's nothing. He knows that he's got a big God and who is Goliath. Right, that needs to be our attitude. Who, what is this problem? I've got God on my side. Who cares? I don't care how big he is or how swole he is or how big the problem is or how, uh, how unsurmountable it looks. We have God who can do anything, right? And who loves me and is looking out for me. 
So, but then he says, well, why? So the thing that is best, right, is God's word, right, that I've treasured it, and for what? That I may not sin against you. Now, here's, here's what my what a translation that I want my heart to say. I recognize that living wisely and obedient keeps me from dishonoring you and your purposes. But as I walk around with a Christian sign on my back, as I acknowledge him and declare him as my father, right, the life I live, right, honors him or dishonors him. Because you're a Christian that everybody else sees. And so they know what their God looks like by how you live. Right? And it doesn't matter if you want that to be untrue. It is true. And we need to know that. Right? That it means something that I'm married to Renee. <laughs> right? That I don't, that as I am connected to her, right, as we are one, that my attitudes and actions, right, reflect on her. Oh, Renee is awesome, but that Rob. Oof. Right? And then they'd start questioning, Renee doesn't have very good taste. Right? What in the world does she see in this guy? What, who is, you know, you know what I'm saying? You've all thought it, right? But I'm, I'm just kind of saying it out loud. But as it relates to our relationship with the Father, it is no different. Right? That, that it helps that I, that I treasure her. Right? That I understand what I've got there. I acknowledge it and I live according to it. Verse 12. This acknowledgement is a big deal, right? Blessed are you. That acknowledge that you are the most fortunate one, the one that everyone needs to be in relationship with. Blessed are you, Father. You are the most favored one, my master and king. Because I believe that and because I say that, I want you to teach me your statutes. Will you continue to instruct me in your wisdom and your guidelines for life? See, a lot of times we think about sin or about rules, right, as, as keeping on the other side of them, right? But what about if we think about them as the best way to live? If he created us, that's really what his rules are. This is the best way to live. He's not trying to keep you from him getting grumpy, right? That's typically what we're doing. I'm just trying to not make my teacher or my boss grumpy. <laughs> trying to make my... my my, uh, my God grumpy. Anybody have a grumpy dad? Right? And like you do things to keep him ungrumpy. Amen? Yes? Can you go get that thing for me? And you're like, please let me find it because if I can't find it, I've got to ask him and then he's going to come find it and he's going to be so mad. Right? Everybody's like, yes! Why can't, when you're nervous, you can't find the thing. I'm sorry. I'm a grumpy dad sometimes. Verse 13, with my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I share the wisdom you have taught me so that others will know what to do. Right? Do we see ourselves as a conduit, right, for God's truth in other people's lives? Or, right, is it, are we a dam? <laughs> do we just keep it? We hold it to ourselves? So think about, you know, this when we, when we sing kind of modern praise choruses, right? We kind of harp on one idea over and over and we sing it and we declare it, right? But as the psalmist says here, right, in 9 through 16, not many verses, right? He's explaining all sorts of things to us about his attitude and his heart for God, about what he wants and about what he does. 
Also, as you're looking at that passage as we finish up here, I want you to look at the different tenses in which he uses those things, right? They're not all wishful thinking, right? They're not all these I wills, right? These, there's lots of I haves or I am, like present, right? Past, present, and future. That I'm saying this in the midst of my obedience, that I want to continue to be obedient, that I, that I love the relationship that I have with you and I want to continue to experience and love the relationship that I have with you. That is my intention, is to be in a relationship with you. This is what it means to abide. Finishing up here. Verse 14, I celebrate and give testimony to the goodness of my experience doing what you have taught me to do. McClendon, Dad, I cleaned my room. I cleaned my room. It was awesome. I really, really enjoyed my room being clean. You understand? Hey, my friend across the street, I really like cleaning my room. I enjoy living in a clean room. My dad told me to clean my room. He's awesome. (laughs) You guys are happy about stuff and you tell people things. Yes? The psalmist is reminding us that this is the best thing that's happened to us and we need to tell people about this too. Okay, don't be unhappy that you won Uno last night. Tell people, you know, it's great. But this is better. This will change their life. This will remind them of the things that are most important. Amen? So I celebrate that, and then he adds, as much as all riches. I celebrate this like I had been given all the money in the world. That is the level of excitement and joy, right, that I have here. Two more. And these, these are all as I continues, right? I will. So he, I insert this part, right, because he's done this before. So it's not like, hey, I'm gonna, which is what we do all the time, right? Anybody, uh, a good southern, they use the term, I'm fixing to? Yes? I'm fixing to take the trash out. I'm fixing to clean up the dishes. I'm fixing to clean up my room. Right? I'm fixing to get serious about my relationship with the Lord. And so the attitude is, right, as I do that, and we learn to do that, if it's even today that you're going to step forward in that, right, that I want to continue to do that. I'll meditate on your precepts. As I continue in relationship with you, I will study and ponder your teachings. I am never going to stop doing that. If I can be excited about the Lord, right, you can be excited about the Lord. And add that, regard your ways. As I continue, I will always honor you by doing what you have taught me to do. Right, declaration. Right, intent. It's almost like vows. Repeated vows. And last verse, I shall delight in your statutes. As I continue, I'll be excited about your teachings. Have you ever been to a seminar, you're excited about it? To a class? This person's going to drop some knowledge on me. I got my pen out, right? I'm ready to go. Man, if we had that attitude about the time we got to spend with the Lord. I get to hang out with Alex McKay today. I'm ready. He's going to drop some nuggets on me. I will delight in your statutes. 
I will not forget your word. As I continue, I will not forget what you're teaching me and have taught me to do. I will continue to be obedient to your teaching over and over and over again. Right? It's talking, teaching us about abiding. Abiding, abiding, abiding. Making our heart a home for the Lord. All right. So, as you finish up, um, I just want you to do, to answer a simple question around the table and I'll pray for us. Okay? What do you think about that? 